0: Chapter Twenty Seven of The Boy Scouts Through the Big Timber. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kenneth Sargent Gagan. The Boy Scouts Through the Big Timber by Herbert Carter. Chapter Twenty Seven. Well-Earned Rest and Conclusion. Welcome, indeed, was the sight of the two familiar tents, with a cheery campfire blazing in front, Mike and Molly, the two pack-mules, browsing nearby, and the three boys who had been left in charge caught in the act of cooking dinner. It was just high noon on that day when the Thad led his little victorious squad out of the brush and in the sight of camp. What an uproarious welcome awaited them, the three boys who had begun to grow heavy-hearted with the suspense from long waiting and watching, vied with each other in trying to see who could make the most noise, and give the greatest assortment of yells intended to take the place of a welcome. Why, even the astonished mules looked up and hee-hawed to the beat of the band, as Giraffe declared. And when Bob White, Smithy, and Davy Jones discovered that sure enough their comrades were fetching a pair of hulking prisoners along with them, their delight surpassed all bounds. Get into to be a habit with us, fellers," declared Giraffe proudly. Why, we just can't take a little stroll more without bumping up against a pair of bad men. Who needs attention? Don't blame us. We just couldn't help it. Bumpus, bless his whole heart, was looking as fine as a peach. Nothing at all like the woebegone, half-starved Tenderfoot, who's left the camp had expected to gaze upon him. If indeed they were lucky enough to ever see him in the flesh once more. With a beaming face he came along, his gun slung over his back by the heavy cord that had come in so handy when the grizzly chased him up a tree. And as he walked, Bumpus had both hands up to his mouth, making sounds which would do credit to any horn, and behold, the burden of the air, as the shouting scouts recognized, was low. The conquering hero comes. Sound the trumpets, beat the drums. Such a great time as they had, shaking Bumpus by the hand, pounding him on the back and telling him again and again how lucky he ought to consider himself he had such good and loyal chums ever ready to go out and search for the unfortunate and bring them home again safely. And Bumpus, never once lifted upon his voice in protestations or boastings, simply grinned through it all and kept one eye on Thad, who finally, thinking it was time the fellows were made aware of the true state of affairs, called out, Show you what you got, Bumpus. Imagine the great surprise bordering on consternation of Bob and Davy and Smithy when the fat tenderfoot fished in his pocket and held up something. The foot of a bobcat, as sure as I live, ejaculated Davy Jones. Did you kill it, Bumpus, asked Smithy, awed by the very thought. That said so, and he knows, was what Bumpus remarked, and then with an even wider grin he fished down in another pocket this time holding up some bulky articles that made the three camp guardians fairly gasp for breath. "'Grizzly bear! Claws! Great host hats! You don't mean to say that you found a bear, Bumpus, and actually bagged him?' cried Davy Jones. "'Did I, Thad? You saw where I left him,' replied the Wonderful One. "'You sure nailed him good and hard, Bumpus, even if it did take ten shots or more, fired into him from a tree.' If anybody has the right to say he killed a bear all by himself, fair and square, Bumpus has. And here are three more truthful witnesses who will testify the same way, with which Thad waves his arms around to take in Stephen, Allen, and Giraffe, all of whom put up a right hand and gravely nodded approval of his words. And even that ain't all, fellers," quoted Giraffe. What do, would you think if you, I told you Bumpus had turned the tables on these here two critters who captured him? and were making him do all sorts of slave stunts to please himself. Yes, siree, Took all the shells out of their guns and then grabbed up his own to cover em. When we saw him do it all, there ain't any mistake. If you doubt me, ask Hank, thar. Mechanically, the doubting ones turned toward the big timber cruiser who was playing his little game of appealing to be very contrite and sorry, so as to be let off easily, made a wry face and remarked, just what Fatty did to us he gave us up the biggest surprise of our lives, the year and me. That's the time we fooled ourselves he caught us all, all right, and I ain't goin' no kickin'. A comin' unless so be it he wants to pay me back that way, which I don't think he'd be the case, because he's too fine a feller to be revengeful like. I wanna take hands with you again, sir, said Bob White, the southern boy as he pushed up to Bumpus, and right now let me take back everything I ever said about your being a poor tenderfoot. I reckon so a heap of the rest of his scouts will have to sit at your feet and take a few lessons on how to do it. While a bear and capturing a couple of, what are they, said, Pirates or just plain hold-up men? That's going some for even a first-class scout. Just as Bob says, we take off our hats to you, chum Bumpus, and now while dinner is cooking, just gather around the fire and tell us the whole Bloomin' story, saying which Davy led the return hero of the occasion to Seat of Honor. The story was all told all over again, both during the eating of the meal and afterwards. In fact, it took almost two hours to get most of the facts out. Then they concluded to hold the prisoners until next morning, when they would be breaking camp to head into the valleys of the Rocky Mountain, the tops of which reared themselves in great granite masses against the western sky. We'll probably have a good enough time the rest of our vacation out here, said Giraffe later on, but you can be sure we'll never again see such a string of exciting adventures as fell to our lot, and that of Bumpus when he was hunting through the big timber for a bear and the rest of us searching for a lost tenderfoot scout. But Giraffe was really mistaken when he ventured to make this prophecy, for it was written that members of the Silver Fox Patrol were to meet with still another series of mishaps and adventures before they left for home. What these were, and how cleverly Thad and his chumps carried themselves under trying conditions, will be set down in the pages of the next volume in this series, now ready under the title of The Boy Scouts in the Rockies, or, or The Secret of the Hidden Silver Mine. That very evening, who should come along but Toby Smathers himself? He has been ranging through that section, really, to find out what Hank Dodge and Pierre Laporte were doing, and seeing the camp he hastened to join the scouts feeling a longing for human company. Thad liked the forest ranger right from the start, and was very much pleased when the others agreed to go with him as a guide during the balance of their time expected to spend in the Rockies, several weeks at least. Tony Smathers gave the two men to understand that their every movement was being watched by agents of the aroused government, The Interior Department was determined to put an end to timber-stealing on a large scale by men who had grown enormously rich in the business. Hank and Pierre professed to be alarmed, and when they went away in the morning to get their guns, which Thad had left ten miles off, they declared they were going to reform, and either go to the mines or else emigrate to British Columbia. But, said Toby Smothers, they ain't going to do it, mark me them, critters are cut out for jailbirds and they'll either bring up thar or else die with their boots on. Well, but all I hope is, said Thad, as he gave Mike the pack mule a touch with the whip to start it moving, that we never cross their trail again. End of chapter 27 Recording by Kenneth Sergeant Gagan. End of the Boy Scouts Through the Big Timber by Herbert Carter